don't have a Bible, that's okay. <laughs> it's a little thing we do. I, I encourage you, if you don't have your Bible, just grab a hymn book and just, just be right along with me. I'm a child of God. Have in my hand the powerful Word of God. Can change lives, heal broken hearts, and save man's soul. Here's our prayer. Lord Jesus, today, speak to me. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, high, high five, pound your neighbor there, and make them feel like they're important people. If you want to, just reach over and hug them. That'd be good, too. Uh, Jeff has taught Kelsey fist pound, and then you, then you like the fireworks going off. And so it's fun to watch my little two-and-a-half-year-old do that, and she'll do that, and then she'll just twinkle her fingers like that. That's awesome. So I don't, I don't, need, uh, I don't need fireworks. I've got Kelsey's twinkling fingers. Is America a Christian nation? Appropriate message for today, July the 4th, celebration of Independence Day, 1776. This nation started out in a powerful way. And we've come a long way, as they say. The verse of scripture I want us to focus on this morning is in Psalm 33 and verse 12. If you have those Bibles that you held up, open up to Psalm 33 and verse 12. I just want to read the first part of that verse. It says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. One more time. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. A national radio talk show host and a call-in listener were talking about Christianity in America. As the conversation went on, the host, who is an avowed agnostic, said, why do Christians think that they had anything special to do with the founding of this country? And anybody who reads history books knows that Christianity was no more involved in America's founding than any other religion. You know, unfortunately and inaccurately, that seems to be the prevalent thought in our culture today. But the truth of the matter is that we are a nation that was shaped by the Judeo-Christian Judeo -Christian ethic. And that is found throughout the Bible. And we translated that and we formed it into the founding of this country. And we are a nation with biblical roots. But are we a Christian nation? Well, I think you have to answer the question by defining that question a little deeper. If being a Christian nation means that everyone is a Christian, then we're by far not a Christian nation. But if it means that Christianity was the religion of the overwhelming majority of our nation's founding fathers, and if its influence is undeniably seen in the nation's founding documents, and that Christian ethics and moral codes were accepted as the rule of our social order, then yes, we are a Christian nation. Certainly those throughout American, America's history were not timid about the fact that they 
were followers of Jesus Christ. In 1838, the legislature of New York declared, this is a Christian nation, 99 one-hundredths, if not a larger portion, of our whole population believe in the general doctrines of the Christian religion. In 1892, it was the Chief Justice of the United States Supreme Court that said and declared the United States was a Christian nation. And I want us today to spend a little time looking at America in the context of Christianity's influence upon it. First, we need to look at America's beginnings. And it's safe to say that the Christian faith was involved in practically every aspect of this nation from the very beginning. Christopher Columbus in 1504 wrote the, his reason for setting forth to discover a new land was to, and I quote, I was led by the Holy Spirit to carry the message of the gospel to undiscovered lands. It would be great to hear somebody in prominent leadership say that kind of stuff, wouldn't it? The purpose of the pilgrims in coming to America was to establish a political commonwealth governed by biblical standards. The Mayflower Compact stated that they had come for the glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith. The Puritans, realizing the backslidden state of the Church of England, set forth to America for the uh, stated purpose of showing how a nation could prosper if citizens lived under the laws of God. Wow. Plymouth Charter says the colony was established to advance the enlargement of the Christian religion to the glory of God Almighty. The Delaware Charter defined the purpose for their colony to further propagate the Holy Gospel. The Virginia Charter assures the right of people to live in Christian peace and instructs the people to propagate the Christian religion to such people who yet live in ignorance of the true knowledge and worship of God. <laughs> wow! The Rhode Island Compact, we submit our persons, lives, and estates unto our Lord Jesus Christ, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I'd love to hear them talk about that from Congress. July 4, 1776, the Continental Congress signed the Declaration of Independence stating their belief in Creator God. And before signing, they called the signers to prayer and fasting to Almighty God, the God of the Bible. Now think of the role the Christian church and its pastors played in the early days of our founding. A preacher named Francis Bellamy wrote the Pledge of Allegiance. Another preacher, Samuel Smith, wrote the hymn, My Country, Tis of Thee. John Leland, another preacher, wrote the introduction of the First Amendment to the Constitution. Prior to the war between the states, 90% of all the American college presidents were preachers of the gospel. Harvard, Yale, Princeton, Brown, Dartmouth, William and Mary, and Columbia were founded by Christian preachers and church affiliations with the expressed intent to educate youth for Christ. Where have we gone wrong? John Harvard, a pastor in Charleston, Massachusetts, and the man for whom the Harvard University was named, stated that the purpose of the university was, and I quote, that every student be plainly instructed and earnestly pressed to consider well the main ends of his life and studies, to know God and Jesus Christ, which is eternal life, and therefore to lay Christ in the bottom as the foundation of all knowledge and learning, and see that the Lord only giveth wisdom, to let everyone seriously set himself uh, by prayer in secret to seek Christ Jesus as Lord and Master. Wow! Even Harvard's original seal 
which can be seen on the campus today, says these words, Truth for Christ and the church. You want liberal thinking? Go to Harvard University. You want ungodly thinking? Go to Harvard University. Dartmouth, William and Mary, Yale. The Yale School of Divinity. <laughs> you ought to see the preachers the Yale, the Yale School of Divinity pulls out. You ought to hear them. They don't open this very often. I've read some of them. They don't open this very often. How tragic. How tragic. Columbia University wrote that it was founded for the chief things that are aimed in this college are to teach and engage the children to know God and Jesus Christ and to love and serve Him in all sobriety. America's first school book was the New England Primer. It, was, it has the Lord's Prayer on its cover. <laughs> yeah, that'll never happen. It taught the alphabet in theological verse. Let me give you ABC. In Adam's fall, we send all. And it's heaven to find the Bible's mind. Christ crucified for sinners died. And it goes on through the rest of the alphabet. Teaching theological themes. If you were to take a dollar bill out of your billfold or your pocket and hold it in your hand, on the back is the great seal of our nation. And on the seal is an unfinished pyramid. And above it is the eye of God. It is surrounded by the words in Latin, God has smiled upon our beginnings. And since 1865, purposefully uh, printed in the center of our currency are these words, In God we trust. The influence of God upon the founding of our great nation is so evident that no one who is a student of historical accuracy would reasonably deny it. And where has the denial of God brought us as a nation? Well, let's move on to point number two and take a look at America at the present. Now, there's much about America that is awesome. We're still, in spite of where our culture is today, we're still the greatest nation. Why does everybody want to come here? We're still the greatest nation in the world. But let me give you 12 things that should open your eyes a little bit. Number one, America is completely addicted to pornography. Do you realize that 89% of the porn that's created is, is done so in the United States? $2.84 billion in revenue was generated for uh, porn sites in the U.S., and that was in 2006. There are 260 new porn sites that go online every day. Porn revenue is larger. Oh, you'll love this. Porn revenue is larger than all the combined revenues of all professional football, baseball, and basketball franchises. That's staggering. 25% of total search engine requests are porn related. More than 70% of men from 18 to 34 visit a pornographic site in a typical month. Number two, America has killed over 40 million babies through abortion. Since 1973, 
Well over 40 million innocent babies have been chopped up and slaughtered in American abortion mills. You might say, preacher, that's kind of graphic for church. Wake up. Wake up. America. Christians in America, wake up. If you don't know what late-term abortion is, go read it. Go look it up. And if it doesn't bother you, How far down the toilet has America gone as a society when America kills about a million babies a year and nobody even gets upset about it? In fact, the very woman that the Supreme Court case was based on, Norma Covey, or Covey, is now a Christian and has repented of her decision. And now she goes about speaking about forgiveness and repentance and grace and mercy found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Number three, America is now tolerating gay marriage. There's a lot of truth in the, in the famous phrase, as goes California, so goes the rest of the nation. <laughs> it will be those who speak out for morality that will be persecuted in America. Take a listen to this. A Methodist retreat center recently refused to allow two lesbian couples to use a campground pavilion for a civil union ceremony. The state of New Jersey punished the Methodists by revoking the center's tax-exempt status. It was a vindictive attack on the Methodist religious liberty. In Massachusetts, where judges imposed gay marriage for a few years, Catholic Charities was ordered to accept homosexual couples as candidates for adoption, and rather than comply with an older uh, with an order that would be harmful to children, Catholic Charities closed down its adoption program. California public schools have been told they must become gay-friendly. That includes a curriculum that teaches children that homosexuality is a valid lifestyle. God created Adam and Ed. Even speaking out against homosexuality can be, it can get you fired. Crystal Dixon, an associate vice president at the University of Toledo, was fired after writing an opinion piece in the Toledo Free Press. I think that's an interesting name for the paper. In support of traditional marriage, she was fired for exercising her First Amendment rights. Number four, America's national debt is moving well over $10 trillion. I can't fathom $10 trillion. I can't. What's a trillion? You used to think a billion was a whole lot. Now a trillion is even a whole, a whole lot more. The United States used to be the biggest creditor in the world, and now we're the biggest debtor nation that exists on the, place, on the planet Earth. And instead of showing restraint, we've jammed down the accelerator to the floor. Number five, child abuse, especially child sexual abuse, has become a national epidemic in America. It's estimated that there are over 60 million survivors of childhood sexual abuse in America today. Approximately 95% of all teenage prostitutes have been sexually abused. Of all American prisoners convicted of rape or sexual assault, two-thirds victimized children. Reported cases of child sexual abuse increased 322% from 1980 to 1990. And we're in 2010. <laughs> Number six, the divorce, uh, divorce is at a record level, and it is as common in the church as it is in the broader society. The percentage of the population that's divorced, 10%, up from 8% in 1990 and 6% in 1980. And I'm using old statistics. 
Only 63% of American children grow up with both biological parents, the lowest figure in the Western world. The percentage of a marriage, the percentage of a married people who reach their 50th anniversary in America is 5%. The number two rated state for the numbers of divorces uh, allowed and filed is second to Reno, Nevada. You know what state that is? Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Yeah. Where something blows down the, down the plane. <laughs> Number seven, the greed of America is absolutely stunning. One billion people in the world go to bed hungry every night. Every 3.6 seconds, someone starves to death and three-fourths of children under the age of five. More than 2.8 billion people, close to half the world's population, live on less than the equivalent of $2 a day. More than 1.2 billion people, or about 20% of the world population, live on less than the equivalent of a dollar a day. More than 1 billion people do not have access to safe water. About one-third of all children under the age of five suffer from malnutrition. The top fifth, 20% of the world's people who live in the highest income countries have access to 86% of the world's gross domestic product. The bottom fifth in the poorest countries have about 1%. The assets of the world's three richest men exceed the combined gross domestic products of the world's 48 poorest countries. Number eight, adultery and fornication are practically the national sport of America. It's resulted in an explosion of STDs. One out of every 14 girls have an STD, and more than 25% of the residents of New York City have herpes. Now keep it up there. Number nine, murder is so common in the United States, it's a joke to the rest of the world. The murder rate in the United States is among the highest of all developed countries, with rates in larger cities sometimes over 40 per 100,000 residents. Number 10, False religions are exploding in America at a rate that's mind-blowing. Oprah Winfrey and her New Age religion are trying to redefine and destroy traditional Christianity. I hear people talking about being a Christian, being a Christian, being a Christian. But man, where's the fruit of that labor? Where's the fruit of that? I see a lot of condemning. I see a lot of people saying you can, go, you can get there without Christ. Number 11, America is destroying the environment of the world. <laughs> oh, stop, BP. <clears throat> oh, I'm sorry, it's not their fault. It's our fault because we're so hungry for oil, amen? we got to have it, got to have it, got to have it, got to have it, got to have it. But we can go to other things besides oil, amen? We can, we're destroying it. it on, a, on a given good south wind, <laughs> come up and look at the fence and the place around the church and see all the trash that blows in here especially from our wonderful recycling center just adjacent to our facility. Meanwhile, number 12, the church in America is a complete mess and they don't even understand the basics of the Christian faith anymore. A stunning report said that 57% of evangelical Christians, they call themselves evangelical Christians, in America believe that many religions can lead to eternal life. Somebody must have forgotten what John 14, 6 says. Any of you know it by heart? If I started, I bet you didn't finish it. Jesus said, I am the way and the, and the, no man comes to the, but, by, or through. That's exclusive. <laughs> Can't get there without him. 
Good luck trying. And without a doubt, we live in a world that's incredibly wicked. But there is one source of hope. There is one source of hope. And that takes me to point number three. And what is America's hope? Well, good sense would tell us that if we were a nation founded on, on godly principles, then it would behoove us to return to that which made us great in the beginning. So what do we do? Can we really make any difference? Well, I think there's four things we can do under a call to action. Number one, we need to pray. We must pray. Prayer is the key to unlocking the blessings from God. If you haven't discovered that, you need to discover it. Now, I'm talking a, a, a type of prayer that's different than rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub, yay God. I, I'm talking about a different prayer. I'm not talking about the prayer that we just repeat you know, over and over and over and over and over and over and over. In fact, in some churches when the, the elders are the only ones that can pray at the table, and why that is, I don't know, but the elders are the only ones that can pray, and when that certain elder comes up there to pray, you can voice the prayer with him because he says the same one every time. Not that that's a bad prayer, but can you give us something new? <laughs> Has God touched your heart in some way that we can hear something different? You see, we must pray. We must honestly, fervently pray. We read a verse earlier where God says He'll heal the land if what? All of America? <laughs> Oh, okay, if all of the politicians, oh, that's right, I, I misread it. If, if just all of the school teachers would do this. He says, if my people, and then he qualifies it a little more, who are called by my name. Hello, hello. So you're going to call yourself a Christian? You just called yourself by the name of God. And if you're going to call yourself by the name of God, then he gives us some instructions on how we can turn this thing around. But we must pray. Secondly, we must work within the process. You don't pick up a gun and beat people, shoot people, kill people. That doesn't, that doesn't solve it. But you work within the process. You pray and you talk and you ask. Well, I'll be persecuted, preacher. Jesus said, blessed are you when you are persecuted and reviled for my name's sake. Hey, you haven't shed blood yet. That's what Hebrews 12, 4 says. When you start shedding blood for the cause of Christ, then we'll let you whine a little bit. But till then, take a little cheese with that wine and let's get on with it. Amen. Well, you guys aren't laughing at all today, are you? All right. Got to work within the process. We must participate is the third call to action. We must participate. Now, I'm talking about in a radical, extreme way. Heavens, no. But study to show yourself approved unto God. Study the early historians uh, through them. Study the early founding fathers and find about the faith that they had. It's amazing what you will find. Absolutely amazing what you'll read. And number four, we must persevere. Don't give up. Don't quit in the middle of the process. We've got to persevere. See, Christians, Christians have set back too long. 
Christians have said, oh, this could never happen here. And it did. It has. When they took prayer out of schools in the early 60s, Christians said, oh, that's a terrible thing, but it won't last. <laughs> used to have Ten Commandments hanging on the walls in most classrooms. Whoop, not anymore. In fact, in our beloved Jinx Public School, under every flag that's in the, they do the Pledge of Allegiance every morning in our Jinx Public School classrooms, and I'm so excited about that, except what bothers me beyond anything is the sign that's posted right underneath there in nice size letters so anybody can read it, and it says, if you don't want to say the Pledge of Allegiance, you don't have to. And I called the superintendent's office, and I said, brother, what is going on with that? He said, somebody in the Oklahoma legislature passed it. Legislature got that passed. I said, Really? Is that right? Well, who was it? He didn't know. So I wrote our representative right here in Jinx. And I have to this day never received an answer from him. <laughs> Go figure. I want to find out who that is so I can pray specifically for their heart. And I want to pray for them. And I want God to deal with them. Because listen, this nation wasn't founded on your right to pray or not to pray. It was founded on Almighty God bringing a, an oppressed religious system to freedom. <laughs> we came here for freedom. This country was built for liberty and freedom. And people have died. They're still dying so that we can have that freedom. I had the privilege last night to be at the uh, Tulsa Shop basketball game. And uh, Coach uh, Darlene Caleb uh, is uh, one of the three chaplains for that team. Is that not awesome? And they have a pre-game devotion that they share with the players that want to come. And uh, I believe nine out of the 11, is that right, Coach? That come to that. Nine of the shock ladies come to that chapel every game. Isn't that awesome? And one of them would like to, but she says, I get so emotional, I can't play basketball. Because she starts focusing on those. So almost 100% of those ladies come to that, that devotion. And last night was uh, Honor the Heroes Night in Oklahoma. And so at halftime they had a, a, a bunch of them out there in the front on the, uh, on the court and just talking about their sacrifice. And one guy had a leg blown off, another guy had a brain injury from a, a bomb that went off. And it was amazing, amazing uh, what these, these stories behind these uh, people were. Some were young people all the way up the line. And I'm telling you, my heart just leapt in my chest because when you think about the sacrifices that these people are making so we can have freedom. Oh, we should never forget. <laughs> Ever forget. Nor should we forget Second Chronicles 7.14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Let me finish the rest of Psalm 33.12. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people He has chosen as His own inheritance. Is that not powerful? Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people He has chosen as His own inheritance. Wow. We're going to get ready to close our service today. And I want to do something we haven't done before. I want to give you an opportunity to go to your knees in prayer, if you can. You might have to push the chair back a little bit. But if you can get to your knees to pray, I'm going to pray a prayer of repentance for us. You'll notice a bulletin insert about uh, 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 pray to fall or fall to pray, and it's a, it's, a, it's a deal about the Christian nation using Second Chronicles 7.14 
and Christians going to their knees in prayer. Who knows what might happen if River Oaks, as a family, as a church family, began to pray this prayer and to watch what God might do. How God might change our city. Let's start with our city. Then once we've changed the city, then we'll go to the state. And once we change the state, then we'll go to the nation. Who knows what God might do if his people will do what they need to do. So I want to give you a moment, if you can, to go to your knees. You don't have to, but it's, I'll tell you, it's a powerful place to be. And then I will voice our prayer for us and lead us in our prayer. But I want to give you just a moment to get to your knees, and the worship team will be ready to go as soon as we get through with this prayer and say the amen. Heavenly Father, Lord, you are good. In Psalm 105, you say, steadfast love, your steadfast love endures forever. Your faithfulness to all generations. Father, we come on bended knee to acknowledge our utter dependence upon you, our Creator. Our Creator, God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You are the God of the Old and New Testament. Your covenant of love with us who believe is sealed by the blood of your Son. Your promise to bless us if we believe, honor and obey you, and to judge us if we do not continues in force. Lord, today we unite with fellow Christians across America from many denominations and backgrounds, falling on our knees before you, asking you to help us humble ourselves, not only today, but every day. Hear our prayers, forgive our sins, and heal our land. We've been proud and arrogant as individuals, families, and churches, and as a nation. You have singularly blessed us, but we have taken your blessings for granted. You are worthy of our love and devotion. Instead, we have forgotten you and ignored your word. We have not esteemed you as Almighty God, nor have we honored, served, and obeyed you as we ought. Few of us are walking in pure devotion to you, worshiping wholeheartedly, praying without ceasing, and daily feeding upon your word. Too few of us have given ourselves enthusiastically to do your will and labor diligently to finish your work. Rather, we have forsaken you, the spring of living water, and imbibed the stagnant waters of our modern culture. You call us to be a light, to live holy lives, to walk in Christian love, and carry the gospel of Christ to the nations. Instead, we have withheld the grace of your gospel from our family, friends, neighbors, and co-workers, allowing far too many to face a Christless eternity. You command us to bring up our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, yet our youth are abandoning the faith in unprecedented numbers. And while we ignore your command to preach the gospel, those who serve false gods zealously proselytize, trapping millions in eternal darkness and confusion. We've been complacent, apathetic, lazy, disobedient, and unfaithful to your call. You charge us to be salt to our culture, to, pers to preserve truth and all that is godly and pure. Yet we have allowed the rod of godliness and godless media and entertainment to fill our homes. Instead of permeating our culture with vital biblical truth, instead of filling our homes and churches and schools and businesses and halls of government, and thus our nation will, with eternal truth and reality, we have allowed them to be infected by lies and spiritual darkness. Instead of changing the world, the world's changed us. We seem impotent, having failed to be the salt of the earth. We are fast becoming good for nothing except to be cast out and trodden under the feet of men. Lord, the living faith of our forefathers, their faith and devotion to their children and their commitment to their future generations compel them to sacrifice their lives for us. Yet we have become the me generation. We elect leaders not for their righteousness, but their promise to give us benefits. Absorbed with our own lives and material possessions, we have lost sight of all that's important. 
God and family, our neighbors, our fellow countrymen and the people beyond the seas whom you love and for whom you gave your son Jesus. And now our nation is under judgment. Natural disasters pummel our cities and countryside. We face war on two fronts. Rogue nations hate us. And international terrorists have penetrated our borders. Economic collapse cripples entire regions. Millions are out of work. Preachers and politicians are put on display for their acts of corruption and immorality. Our leaders mortgage their, our children's future to build political monuments to themselves. Our jails and prisons are filled to overflowing. Our children are enslaved by unthinkable sins, sex, drugs, and alcohol. Abortion and sexual immorality have become protected rights, and legislators, judges, and governors impose homosexual marriage upon their citizens. Our schools teach that marriage between a man and a, a man and a man is morally equivalent to a holy matrimony between a man and a woman. Evil is called good and good is called evil. The curses you warned would come to a disobedient people have all come upon us. Unless you, Lord, intervene and bring revival to the church, awakening to the nation and spiritual reformation to our culture, our once God-blessed nation will go the way of ancient Carthage, Greece, and Rome. Persecution will surely become our lot. Oh, Lord, we cry out to you today. Hear our cry. Help us seek your face. Show us your face and help us to turn from our wicked ways. Lord, heal our land. Show us mercy. Forgive us our sins and cleanse us. Revive your churches. Set our pulpits aflame with righteousness. Purge compromise from our pews and cause your word to go forth to every city and town in America. Make your people salt and light again. Raise up godly leaders in church and state and grant that we might lead quiet and peaceable lives in godless, godliness and honesty. Help us to return wholly to you and return, Lord, to us. We pray in the name of Jesus, knowing that your word declares the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God, the word of our God, stands forever. In Jesus' name and all God's people say it.